LinkedIn was recognizing her activity on the platform. The algorithms work behind her backs, right? And noticed her activity and was promoting her posts more on LinkedIn because of her level of engagement on other people's posts. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome <laughs> to our show. Hello, welcome. Because today we are going to discuss about very important topic about personal branding. It's tough to grow today. It's tough to get results. It doesn't matter if you want to grow your corporate brand, you still need to have your personal brand that will help you like Elon Musk and help uh, Tesla, like Bill Gates, like many others well-known people because of personal branding. I'm so excited to discuss a lot more with Philip Van Dusen. How are you? I'm good, Anatolia. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, big pleasure. Want to learn more. For me, it's very important, as I mentioned, and uh, I grow my personal branding as well. And it can help to increase trust for my projects. It can help to build the audience, to uh, grow audience, to cooperate with great experts uh, who, can, who can speak on my podcast, who can... We have some uh, cohesive projects uh, with some specialists. I love it. And uh, I think it's important to any projects to have your strong brand recognition. Philip, before, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Sure. Well... Anatoly, I've had a 25 plus year career in branding and design. I uh, actually started off as a fine artist, as a painter. And uh, in my early 30s, I went um, into the fashion industry and worked my way up through a number of companies. Um, I eventually became the vice president of uh, design at Old Navy. I was there for about 11 years. And then I jumped over to the branding agency side and worked for a couple different agencies. Um, uh, including Landor Associates, which is a globally known agency. And then I've also been the vice president of design um, at PepsiCo. And about eight years ago, I left PepsiCo and decided to go out on my own and start my own brand consultancy. I'd been building Fortune 100 brands for 20 years and decided that I wanted to work with small and medium-sized businesses and uh, be able to uh, make an impact faster and um, actually have you know, um, a kind of a more intimate relationship with my clients. And so I started a, a virtual agency, so to speak. Uh, it's me as a principal and I work with a range of partners, building teams to work whatever projects that I land. Um, and it's a great model. And, uh, in order to build my agency business, I started very early, um, building my own personal brand because when I left corporate, I had nothing. I had a two-page black and white website. That was it. And a, and a business card that was for a company I didn't work for anymore. I mean, that's all I had. And so I had to build a, a client roster and get people to become aware of me and understand my authority and um, realize how much value I could bring to them. And so I started uh, doing content marketing and uh, started a newsletter, which I ran for, it's still running, but I started it and um, put it out every two weeks for about six months. And then I started a YouTube channel um, 
And about a year after that, I started a podcast. And since then, I've built a brand strategy course, which I sell. I've built a uh, mastermind community for creative professionals that I currently run. And uh, it's been very successful. And I've learned an incredible amount along the way. Uh, it was kind of like everything before I went independent was one frame of thinking and and going about my business. And then in the last eight years, it's been absolutely completely different. Um, and uh, I, it's been very successful. I mean, my YouTube channel has 185,000 subscribers. My podcast is up to 125 episodes. My mastermind community is running strong and people are loving it. And, um, and my podcast as well. And so that's kind of what I do. I focus on um, helping people build personal brands, uh, business brands through branding, design and content marketing. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Great experience. And Philip, uh, I have a bunch of questions. Basically, yeah, I have a lot of it. questions. <laughs> yeah. But I want to start with this question about the, the difference between uh, cooperating with big companies. You mentioned that you uh, help uh companies fortune 500 companies uh, and today you can help uh, smb so I, i'm interested about the difference can you tell uh why big companies need personal branding like we know elon musk like we know many other great uh entrepreneurs uh and they build personal brands but i know some uh companies uh, by the way good companies great revenue but uh founders uh don't like the idea to build personal brand. I think it depends on your personality. Uh, can you tell the difference when we need it, when we don't need it? Uh, and do we need to uh, force yourself if you don't want it? Yeah. Well, what, I knew nothing about personal branding when I was in the corporate world. And I didn't do any personal branding when I was in the corporate world for other people or for myself. But I would say that the one thing that personal branding, uh, how it impacts large corporations is that people trust people. They don't trust brands and they particularly don't trust big brands. And so when you have a human face that you can associate to a brand that has a level of friendliness, uh, personality, uh, authority, uh, attractiveness, it humanizes a brand. And so that is why really big brands that are super successful generally have some sort of human being that is visible and present um, and active in human life that represents that brand. Um, you know, Steve Jobs for Apple, um, Bill Gates for Microsoft, um, you know, as you said, Elon Musk, uh, there's mm -hmm. Richard Branson for Virgin. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. Um, yeah. and when you have a large, like I used to work for P and G do a lot of, uh, uh, branding for them and they have a portfolio of, you know, 25 or 30 different product brands and P and G is a tiny little, they're a house of brands. So P and G is a little logo on the back of all their products, but P and G has no face. No one knows who P and G is. And so they struggle with that human factor. And generally what companies do is they associate or develop some sort of personality around their product. So let's take, 
let's take uh, Geico, Geico for instance. So Geico, gigantic corporation, it's in a it's in a very commodity space, you know, insurance. So it's unexciting and very boring, and all the companies offer the same stuff. How do you differentiate yourself, and how do you add a face to that company? And they developed the Geico Gecko, right? Who's got a British accent? He's very cute, you know. He's welcoming. And so that is a level of brand personality or personal branding, essentially, but it's around a character. Um, and there are lots of companies uh, that do that. And so developing some sort of a, a character or personality of a human being or a human face behind a large brand is important to warming that brand up to, you know, the population, to, to the possible customer base. Now, your other, your other part of your question was, what is this value to founders or entrepreneurs or people who are in startups? And a lot of people who start up don't want to be the face. They may not feel comfortable in front of the camera or feel that they have a personality that really represents a brand. And that's totally fine, especially at the beginning, because your product or your service is the hero. But when it comes down to it, eventually there needs to be some sort of human um human presence behind a brand in order to create that humanity that brand personality and it's easiest to do if you have a human being that represents that so if it's not the founder him or herself then they might need to develop either a character or a a, a representative you know like you know any of the uh, what's her name? Um, Flo from from the advertise. What was that? The insurance. What was mm -hmm. you know who Flo is, right? What insurance company is she from? Mm -hmm. She's it's it's skipping my mind right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, but so you know having a having a a marketing character or spokesperson that human beings can relate to and associate with a brand is really important. Yeah. Got it. I agree. I agree. And Philip, I want to ask about uh, where to start. For example, uh, when I decided to grow my personal brand and um, uh, I started in 2020 and I uh, registered my account or uh, decided to pay more attention to my social media accounts everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. And you mentioned that you have YouTube channel, you have podcast, you have a loyal audience almost everywhere. And um, what I did, uh, I can't say that it's a, that was a good idea because I decided to do as uh, Gary Vee always preaches to us uh, about be everywhere. And I did. Um, I spend time on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Twitter, everywhere, even TikTok. Then I my best results were like 5-10 followers a day, a few hundred views, nothing, nothing special. Uh, and I switch all my attention to LinkedIn alone. I even stop uh, repurposing content to other social media and my results grew because I spend time only on LinkedIn. I uh, engage with others, I built my audience, I created content, uh, even I understand you can repurpose, it, it takes like 5-10 minutes, but uh, you can lose 5-10 minutes you know, if you repurpose content on other social media and if you have no lo loyal audience, it's tough to get results on other social media. So can you tell about uh, focusing, how it's important to start in one place and when it's 
the right time will come to extend to other social media pro accounts. Yeah, and it's all you brought up a really, really good point, and I'm glad you did that. And your personal experience with it is exactly what people experience, or is they try to be everywhere and they end up being very shallow everywhere, and they don't really make an impact because it's. You know, social media is a, it's a, where everyone's drinking from a fire hose. There is so much content now. And so unless you focus your energy on one single platform and go really deep into it, you're going to be invisible wherever you show up. And the other thing I would just say is yes. And I, and I congratulate you for even pulling back on your repurposing and just focusing entirely on a single platform, your podcast and LinkedIn, because, and you said repurposing could take five minutes. The thing is repurposing doesn't take five minutes. Yeah. Repurposing takes days. And the more yeah, you yeah. try to repurpose it across different platforms, it's, it's a real time suck. And I, I personally struggled with that for a, much longer than I should have before I hired a VA to do it for me. And so repurposing is important and it's an easy way to get to a broader range of platforms without a tremendous amount of work, but I wouldn't recommend doing it yourself. <laughs> and, but to, to your point, when I counsel people about building a personal brand, I generally say, think about who your customer is. What is the value you bring to the table? How are you trying to establish your authority and decide on the platform that's best for you? and go deep into that one single platform for six months to a year until you have really cracked that nut and started to get, get a following and some traction there before you even think of expanding. And so the way you're approaching it is exactly how people should approach it. And it gives you a chance to understand the platform, develop a, a range and volume of content that is significant because you're not spreading yourself too thin. And it also, and this is a really important one that we'll get to a little bit when we talk about this tool that I've developed called a personal brand wheel, is that engagement is just as important as content, particularly on LinkedIn. And I'd love to tell you a story actually of one of my, my, um, one of my colleagues who just had a really unlocking experience on LinkedIn. And that is that engagement commenting on content is just as important, especially on LinkedIn as posting content. Um, Richard Moore, uh, an amazing salesperson and personal brand who um, I've had on my show has talked about, he's a LinkedIn expert and he says, and he had this great quote that I always quote him, which was, is, is uh, comments are content too. And they really are. And this colleague of mine who recently, she posts a lot of content on LinkedIn. She recently put it, started putting a lot more effort into commenting and engaging with people on their posts. And she noticed that LinkedIn was recognizing her activity on the platform. The algorithms work behind her backs, right? And noticed her activity and was promoting her posts more on LinkedIn because of her level of engagement on other people's posts. And other people were also sharing her posts more because of the engagement she was showing them. And her following and her, um, her analytics have skyrocketed because of this shift in how she's going about working on the LinkedIn platform. Yeah, um, uh, I wrote an article about commenting 
because I researched this topic and I spoke with a few big influencers who have uh, great engagement plus thousand comments on each post and uh, I asked them how they got this result and they replied to me commenting you know if you comment on other posts relevant posts people usually read comments uh, if you share extra value if you help them uh, all of them need more value they just want to get more value from you because you can help them then they can open your profile to check your content uh, and it helps to get more engagement it's simple it's not like linkedin can recognize that you are super active to comment uh, it's because you help someone who wanna get this value open your profile uh, started to follow you uh, can um, engage with your posts because uh, value is the fuel of any engagement if you bring value if people need more this value it's simple so people will follow yeah and i love commenting and for me it's more important to provide quality than quantity uh, i remember when i decided to uh, grow my linkedin so basically i wrote uh 80 of my time comments and 20 percent uh, to create content and um, i started with a few comments a day that was tough in the beginning and my best results were like 400 comments a day uh, all manually written uh, and the, you know uh, that was simple in uh, that was tough to start but it's possible if you do it plus a few comments a day plus a few comments uh, when you uh, leave this uh, two three sentences Ah, you can get great results it works well uh, but uh, it's better to pay attention to quality to help more to bring more value don't criticize others so i i love commenting i agree with you it's it's it's, it's a great tool if you do it right if you if you generate just with ai i'm not sure you can get great results but even if you have uh, a lot of mistakes you know <laughs> so it works well uh, but bring more value yeah i i love it love it philip can, can you tell uh, uh how to choose the right social media okay if we need to start in one social media or in one place you have youtube channel you have podcast and uh how to choose uh the word the first place yeah well actually i want to i remembered who the spokesperson flow was <laughs> she, uh -huh. she's from progressive insurance so i just that brain oh, okay, I, okay, I, okay. I had to circle back on that one thank you um <laughs> I wanted to make one more comment about uh, commenting. Like I have these tr graphic design trends videos, which always are my best performing videos every year. And one year, one of those was picked up by a very major website and it went viral and it got over a million views. And in a period of six weeks, it got probably 10,000 comments. Wow. And I, and I answered every single one of those comments. In fact, in the first three or four years of my having a YouTube channel, I answered every single comment that I got until I had more, more comments coming in than I could personally manage. But I strongly, strongly believe that YouTube's algorithm saw my engagement on my re-engagement from people who were engaging on my posts and promoted my videos more in search because of that. So I not only are you're commenting on other people's posts, but when people come in on your posts, you want to re-engage back with them so they can feel seen. Everyone wants to feel seen. They want yeah. to feel seen and they want to feel heard. And if they've taken a moment of their time to comment and congratulate your post or say they were interested in it, 
respond, even if it's like, thank you so much for reading my content and, 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 uh, and commenting on my post. That was really interesting. Like it could be two or three sentences and just so people feel appreciated for their appreciating you. So that, that I think is really important now to segue to your question, which was like, how do you choose what platform is best for you? There's a couple different things that you have to take into consideration. One is your customer target. Who are you trying to reach? What platforms do they hang out on? Right? So you are, a you know, you, you deal in the B2B space a lot, right? So, and you're also in a very business marketing mindset. Where do business and marketing people hang out? They hang out on LinkedIn. Where do small and medium-sized businesses and founders and people who are building businesses hang out? They hang out on LinkedIn. You know, if you were doing a ton of, you know, marketing, business building and brand strategy, you know, what I say, go to TikTok, unless you're going to dance about your brand strategy, don't go to TikTok. Like, are should you do YouTube shorts? I've been watching a lot of YouTube shorts recently and YouTube shorts are following in the footsteps of TikTok. It's entertainment content. It's not value-based cerebral, um, you know, actionable business level content, right? It's a different, yeah. um, it's a different, uh, kind of medium with a different purpose to it. And so you th have to think about what is, what's the platform where your people are hanging out? If you're trying to reach baby boomers and, you know, old Gen Xers, Facebook's probably a really great place. If you're trying to reach people who are looking to educate themselves, YouTube is the biggest educational platform in the world. It's the second largest search engine in the world it's next to Google and Google owns YouTube. So they are married to each other and they promote each other in each other's search. So YouTube, I think personally is if you're going to, if you're going to get into content, go YouTube because YouTube is also video is taking over the world and video is also a, uh, it is also a format that's most easily repurposable, meaning you can take the audio from a video, you can turn it into a podcast. You can take that audio and turn it audiograms. You can take transcribe the videos and turn it into blog posts. I mean, it has a lot of legs in terms of repurposing. Um, but so you want to think about who your audience is and where they hang out. And then also what is that platform's medium of choice? So let's say you do a lot of slideshows or you do a lot of writing and you like the format of carousels. There are a lot of carousels on LinkedIn. People really consume carousels a lot on the, they share them. They're very shareable. They're um, easy to tell a story and provide value through. You can use carousels on, on Instagram too. Would I do carousels on Facebook? Probably not. Would I do video carousels on YouTube? No. So you have to think about the medium that you're also going into and what's the best platform for that medium. Um, podcasting and, and LinkedIn also go really well together because an older demographic, which is generally the people who are really leveraging LinkedIn, they have a tendency to like to read, I mean, listen, as a, as a format to consume more than watch. So the, 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 the demographic of most of the viewers on YouTube go from anywhere, you know, from infancy all the way up to about 35 and then it falls off a cliff. So if you're trying to reach people who are 35 to, you know, or 40 or above, 
YouTube's probably not your place, or at least that's not where you're going to get the volume of viewership. It would be better to post those videos natively on LinkedIn than it would be to post them natively on YouTube. So I think there's it's platform where your people are hanging out and the appropriate platform for the type or the medium of content that you're putting out. Yeah, uh, I agree, but I want to add something. Yeah, please. Point. Yeah, and uh, I learn why people give up. Because, for example, let's imagine my audience is on Instagram, but I don't like this platform. My wife loves Instagram. She can spend all day on Instagram. My son can open Instagram, but he prefers TikTok. And uh, I can spend time on LinkedIn. And what I found when you know that your audience in specific social media, but you don't like it, you can find your audience is... Um, at any another social media, even on TikTok. Uh, my friend uh, uh, has grandma, and when grandma decided to learn about TikTok, why uh, all grandchildren spend time on TikTok, <laughs> and after that, she can't stop watching these videos, you know, because TikTok has a billion users, uh, can satisfy any intent, and it's not like B2B is not good for uh, TikTok. Almost all big brands on TikTok, you know, uh, you can uh, even create content for B2C on LinkedIn. It's up to you, a billion people on LinkedIn. You need to find your format. And for me, it's very important to enjoy what you do. If you love it, if you uh, are willing to spend time on social media, you can get results. But if you hate it, leave it. Uh, don't care about your audience or hire someone who can help with that but i'm not sure it's a good idea to spend time on social media where you don't like to spend time because you can learn intent you can learn uh content that will provide results it takes time to comment to engage with other posts to find your format and yeah just wanna add this one you need to enjoy the process without uh having fun it's tough it's really tough to get any results so what I want, I want to add to something you said about, I, I, I completely agree with you. There are aspects of different audiences on every platform. I mean, yeah. I'm on YouTube and even though the demographics there are very heavily 35 and below, I get 85% of my new clients from, and my new clients are 35 and above, right? They're business owners or small to medium sized business owners. They find me on YouTube and they come to my agency and they become clients. Now, I was at Social Media Marketing World last year in February, and there was a, a, a presentation that was done by a woman who specializes in Excel spreadsheets, right? How boring content can an Excel spreadsheet be? Like, what can you do about Excel spreadsheets? So, and what platform would you think would be the best platform for Excel spreadsheets, right? Probably LinkedIn, you know. She's on TikTok and she's built this audience of like a million people because she's done these really funny, really engaging dancing about Excel spreadsheet macros and all these different tricks and hacks that you can use for Excel. And she's killing it on TikTok about yeah. Excel spreadsheets. And that just goes to show that depending on how you approach your content, you can leverage your or or re um revoice your content in a way that's appropriate for the platform that you're on if you're inventive and if you're creative enough about it and if you like you said if you love what you're doing and she yeah. absolutely loves dancing about excel spreadsheets so you know it totally works for her 
Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on TikTok, you don't need to dance and sing if you can't. So <laughs> you can yeah. create content about spreadsheet. And I, uh, you remind me my conversation with Jim Edwards, and he worked in Business Insider 10 years. He started on this company from scratch. Then company was sold for $500 million, great success. And uh, he was one of top managers, and he told me that success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content basically business is boring yeah but business insider creates engagement content uh, attractive content by, by sharing value of course value is important but they found the way how to create content that people want to consume because you can provide valuable insights you can help a lot people bounce fast nobody oh. cares if it's boring so yeah it, it's very important and philip can you Tell about finding ideas, um, how to find ideas uh, to create content for your audience. Because, um, uh, you know, personally, I don't like best practices. If I'm not good with filming, why I need to film videos if it works for someone? So can you lead my audience in the right way when uh, to find the right format? <laughs> uh, for how to find ideas for content? Uh, yeah, ideas and content format. Yeah, two questions. <laughs> yeah. They well, in terms of ideas, you have to you have to think about what is the value that you're bringing, and what do you know? What is that Venn diagram between the value that you're going to deliver and what you know and what you want to develop authority in? And so, figuring out that kind of personal brand positioning statement about who you are, what you're delivering, why you're better, why you're different what the transformation is that you're trying to achieve in the people who are consuming your content, that's what's going to drive your ideation around it. And I was just talking to a colleague and we were actually working on a content development strategy, ideation strategy. Just yesterday we were talking about it and we kind of came up with essentially three pillars to think about. One is educational. So how are you going to educate people about what you know, share what you know, um, in a very uh, unguarded way. And in doing that, people start to realize how much you know and how you are uh, an authority in what you know. The next pillar is promotional. So one of the things you can't forget is that the reason why you're doing content in the first place is so people will come to you for business, right? Unless you're just doing it to tell the world that you know everything. So you have to remember that within that is a call to action. I didn't know what I was doing in the beginning when I started my YouTube videos. I, I did my first 75 YouTube videos and never had a call to action in any of them. Not even like go to my website. Like I, I hadn't figured it out yet. So you have to, in your content, weave in a level of promotion, whether that's something as simple as having your URL in the slideshow that you're doing or mentioning, please visit my website and, you know, and the URL or whether it's a call to action like download our free lead magnet or, or view our free webinar or learn more about us. So there's a promotional aspect around uh, how you're producing your content. And then there's also the personal, and this is kind of what it brings back to what we were talking about in personal branding, is that what is your personal experience? People relate to people and people's stories. They need to see themselves in the stories that you're telling. And the easiest stories to tell are your own personal stories because you know what they are. You've lived it, right? So personal stories like who you used to be, what were your struggles, 
What were the transformations that you achieved? What were your wins? Um, who are you now as a result of those transformations? Who do you want to become? Because even after transformations, we want to continue to grow. Telling those stories so people can relate and see themselves in your stories are what attract people to you and what gathers their attention. Everybody, it's like the Wizard of Oz, right? Everyone wants to see the man behind the curtain. You want to see how things work, how the levers are pulled. So as you are sharing that educational content, you want to also layer in a layer of personal experience because it's those personal experiences and those emotions around those transformations that help people see themselves in your content. Does that help? Yeah, of course, hundred percent. I think love I it, missed the it. second part of your question. What was the second part of your question? Uh, how to choose your style. I mean, like, uh, for example, uh, what I see when uh, some people can uh, try to replicate best practices. I mean, like, uh, let's imagine you film videos, but you don't like filming videos. You like writing. And for me, it's very important to consider your strong side. If you like writing, then write. <laughs> uh, Seth Godin and uh, Stephen King uh, don't film content for TikTok. They don't care about this content. They love to write. They pay attention to their strong side. So I think, uh, uh, yeah, my, my question was uh, about finding your uh, best style if you don't know <laughs> something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, to a certain extent, a, a you have to experiment. You have to yeah. experiment and try a bunch of things and, and, and see what feels comfortable. I, I'm a big proponent of kind of starting. The biggest challenge that people have is starting. It's they don't want to put themselves out there in a way that they can be seen or judged. It's the biggest yeah. scare factor. And so what I like to do is just try to get people over that hump of just starting. The first blog post I ever posted was, you know, within a few months of my going solo and I wrote an article and I posted on Google blogger of all things. That's how dated this is. And that platform doesn't even exist anymore. And I wrote this article. I spent, you know, weeks wordsmithing this article. I posted it. It was my very first blog post. And of course I was sweating as I hit post and no one saw it. No one read it. Right. Because I had no audience, but it, it allowed me to get over that hump of actually creating a thought um, a piece, a, a blog post and hitting publish and getting it up there. And that moved me into developing and writing regularly and posting a newsletter, which I did for six months. And when I got comfortable with that, then I started taking some of those thoughts and what I was learning about what I was sharing and doing, a, doing YouTube videos. My first YouTube videos, I was petrified about posting something. And if you look back, if you sort my YouTube videos by date and look at some of the first 25 videos, they're horrible. The lighting is horrible. The video is horrible. The sound is horrible. I'm nervous. My mouth is dry. I'm stuttering, right? It's like they're bad videos and everybody has to start in a bad place and you evolve and you grow and get more comfortable over time. But I started with writing and then I went to video and eventually I went to podcasting and it, you might've thought that podcasting would have been easier, but for me, for some reason, it's easier for me to talk when I see somebody or even when I'm seeing myself, when I do live streams, 
it's easier to talk to somebody than it is to talk to just a microphone in a room by itself. Yeah. So um, it was easier for me to go from writing to video to, to podcasting. So do what you're comfortable with. Do what the lightest lift is for you in the beginning. That might be something as simple as like doing a single image, you know, quote on Instagram. You know, just like one sentence, <laughs> Yeah. you know, something inspirational, something motivational and post it on Instagram and then move into like slideshows and, and turn that thought thing into like 10 different slides and post it on LinkedIn. Start by, start by writing, move yourself into other mediums and, uh, and do it as you evolve and grow and see what feels good. See what you like, see what medium sits well with you. Nice. I mean, yeah. one of the reasons why I also had to do YouTube videos is because I'm a graphic designer, right? I'm in yeah. a visual industry. So being able to show people what I was talking about was very important. So I, podcasting didn't make as much sense to me because I wasn't able to really kind of show or talk about design work. Nice, nice. Uh, I am glad that you bring all this information to the table because uh, people are impatient. They want to get results from the first attempt. Uh, all my first attempts are terrible, even worse that you had experience because I remember, for example, when I started PR, I built high expectations. Oh, I can win this well because I paid $6,000 for one press release and distribution, $6,000. But my company uh, needed 12 press releases a week. 12 press releases. And so uh, what I did, uh, I paid this money, but that was tough. And I started to write myself. Uh, I wrote a bunch of press releases. I pitched all of them. I got zero mentions, zero results, nothing. But mm. I learned how it works. I learned the process. Then I hired specialists who can write great press releases. I hired specialists who can distribute them. I learned about all these tools. And today we got mentions on CNN, Bloomberg, Business Insider, uh, Investing.com, Coindesk, big, big websites, really big websites because of knowing the process, because of failing. So we failed, learned. And for me, failing, it's, it's education. You can't uh, create anything good uh, without failing. And I remember when Mr. Beast said about YouTube videos, he told that you, you uh, it's really, it's, I don't know, like a few people in the world can film first video that will win results. It's almost impossible for ordinary people, including Mr. Beast. And he spent like 18 months to get first thousand subscribers. And but yeah, he, he put out 150 videos before he had like 3000 subscribers. Yeah. I mean, people don't know that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, it's better to create, uh, as Mr. B said to us, uh, to, to film uh, 100 bad videos. If oh, yeah. you film 100 bad videos, if you write 100 bad articles, if you uh, record 100 bad podcasts, you can acquire experience. You can improve a little bit, slightly. Step by step, video by video, content by content, and you can acquire experience to craft your content, to improve your content, to get results. And you mentioned that you didn't submit even call to action no. your uh, 75 uh, videos uh, wow 75 videos uh, a lot of job and i see when people try to sell from the first video why you need to do it just share value breathe value when you have a loyal audience you can sell but if, if you have no audience why you need to sell anything pay attention to value 
So yeah. create value. Yeah, I, I love one it. Of, one of the things you said I thought was really important is that you bought this list, right? You got no results from it, but you did all of this work, writing the press releases and doing all that stuff. And you were doing that with no audience, essentially. Yeah. I mean, you'd bought a list, but no one was listening. right? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the thing about doing content, and this is the hurdle about people getting scared about starting is they think that everyone's watching them and everyone's going to judge them as soon as they do anything. And the thing is, this is what people have to realize about content is when you start creating content, no one is watching. No one is there. You have zero audience. So you can work through and learn your craft and explore and kind of realize how, where you're good, where you're not, what you have to improve when no one's watching. And then slowly over time, your audience will build. And by then you will have built up some skills and knowledge and ability to produce better stuff. And you have to deliver that content consistently over time yeah. for a long period of time before you will build any audience. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And uh, you can do consistently only if you love what you do. Yes. You can't go ahead without passion. Uh, it's almost impossible because you can suffer. If you do something for the sake of results, you suffer and uh, can't overwork others you know, who love what they do. And Philip, I have my final question, uh, very important question for my audience. Uh, I think if someone has more questions, they will follow you to learn from you, from your social media accounts, uh, YouTube, podcast, everywhere. But this question is uh, important about your experience. Uh, um, you know, what I found that... Uh, uh, when I cooperate with uh, founders, co-founders, uh, business owners, they usually want to know the basic. If they don't know the basic, it's tough to get results. Uh, you know, it's tough to cooperate with any expert without knowing the basic. It's like to lose weight. Yeah, If you want to lose weight, you need to learn why you need to eat healthy food, to drink water, to uh, train hard. Yeah, uh, it's the same with uh, personal branding, with any anything. But you need to understand the basic how it works. So I want to ask you, forget about your experience. Forget about your YouTube podcast, about uh, helping big companies, 500 uh, fortune companies. You started today. It's your first day in personal branding. What will you do if you do everything from scratch? Well, I'm going to, before I answer that question, I'm going to share with your listeners something that will help them. And it, okay. there's a tool that I developed called the personal brand wheel, which is a, it's a proprietary tool that I developed, which helps you see and understand how you build a personal brand and all the different parts of that. And if you go to my website, philipvandusen.com slash PBW for personal brand wheel, philipvandusen.com slash pbw. You can download this tool. It's got instructions. It's got a bunch of questions. It'll lead you through it. It's a really great and insightful tool to help you see and understand all the moving parts that goes into building a personal brand. And if you have a personal brand already, it helps you evaluate what you've done and what you need to do. Nice. And so nice. to answer your question, Personal branding has a lot of different parts. As you said, there's kind of the foundational elements, which is, you know, your story, your mission, your value, establishing all those things that you have to understand about yourself. The next thing is your omnipresence. So where are you going to show up? What's your website? What's your brand design look like? What are the social platforms you on? And then the next step is engagement. How do you comment? How do you engage with your audience? 
And how do you do- then the fourth kind of quadrant is how do you document and share those transformations that you are creating? Because you deliver the content, you get engagement. And as people start to have their own transformations as a result of your content, you want to document and share those. So the very first thing that I think people need to do is they need, and this they can do at, at, in a chair by themselves with a little notepad. You have to figure out what's your story, what's your purpose, and what's your value. What are you bringing to the table? And then after you decide what your purpose and value is, what's your mission? Who are you going to help? And what are you going to help them do? A lot of people start producing content and they're not thinking about their key pillars of what it is they have and what they're going to deliver. And until you do that, you can't develop a really clear mission around what kind of content is going to serve that. So like you were saying earlier in the podcast, how do you ideate around content? How do you come up with the ideas? All of the ideas of your content are driven by those foundational strategic elements. What's my personal story? What's my purpose? And what is the value that I'm bringing to the table? Awesome. Love it. Love it. Philip, I'm going to follow you. Uh, I need more value. Guys, I recommend to anyone to follow Philip on uh, YouTube, subscribe to YouTube to follow uh, on other platforms. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Sure. Um, on YouTube, I'm Philip Van Dusen. Easy to find. Um, on uh, podcasts, I have the Brand Design Masters podcast. But if you search my name, I also pop up. But the easiest place to go is to go to philipvandusen.com. And uh, all of my stuff is there. Nice. Guys, you can find links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for the time. So valuable, fun. I love it. I'm going to follow. It's a big mistake, guys, if you don't follow Philip, because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.